The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Who's Your Huddle podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Along with us is TJ Inman. We'll talk Indiana's 34-28 win over the Maryland Terrapins. Uh, and as the Hoosiers get their fifth win of the year, one win away from bowl eligibility with five to play. There was good. There was bad. There was some ugly uh, in, in the win over Maryland. And we'll get TJ in here to help me talk about that. Uh, soon, but first, a word from our friends at my bookie. I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is ten times more exciting when I'm putting my own money on it. Well, when I'm putting money on it, sometimes I have a gut feeling, a feeling about a matchup, and sometimes I'm just betting on my team because they're my team. Uh, regardless whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to, to play for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season. So, if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Uh, and if you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR, that's C-H-A-I-R, to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, now we bring in TJ Inman. TJ how are you doing on this really stormy day uh, out in, in uh, Indianapolis? The weather definitely uh, not very nice, but uh, it feels much better being at uh, five and two. Uh, certainly easy to deal with weather like this after Indiana's way on Saturday, which, uh, you know, we talked, it feels like all off season. Uh, we pointed to that game against Maryland and then uh, we, you know, pointed to it again, uh, heading into the Maryland game as, as kind of a, a pivotal one to, to either, you know, you win that type of game and show that, look, this is a different type of season than what we're used to, uh, or you know, you drop it and you're four and three, and um, you know, bowl game still certainly possible, but the, the math gets a little harder. And Indiana, while they did not play perfect by any means. Um, a lot of mistakes, a lot of points left on the board, a lot of, uh, I, I would say, uh, some iffy play calling. Um, but Indiana uh, was able to make a play, two plays really on defense as Burgess made the big play uh, that IU was unable to really capitalize on. Um, and then a huge play from, from Reese Taylor uh, at the end of the game as, as Pigram overthrows his receiver, and Reese Taylor uh, was in the right place at the right time and was able to catch the ball for uh, to seal the win and, and move Indiana to 5-2. and two. Uh, uh, Really, for me, while there were some certainly some things that IU has got to work on and clean up, and then the injury to Michael Penix was a, uh, a negative for sure, uh, I... I I couldn't have any other feeling but just elation that we finally won a game like that. Yeah, it was, you know, on social media and and text messages, everybody's, hey, we've seen this movie before, and you kind of just want to bash them over ahead with the two-by-four saying, hey, you know, it's a different day, uh, and the outcome was different. Uh, You know, a lot of things that usually go against Indiana in, in games like that went for them. I thought the biggest play of the game um, that that nobody's talking about is Khalil Bryant's fumble recovery on the kickoff uh, inside. I think it was inside yeah. the five yard line. You know, David Ellis gets blown up. Guy puts his helmet right on his like the top of his hand or his wrist area, and you know it's just that's how human reactions, your your hand kind of just releases the ball and, and that ball went shooting out and Khalil Bryant run a, won a foot race against a Maryland uh, special teams player, dove on the ball 
if Maryland gets the ball there, they're they're going to score a touchdown, uh, and it's a, it's a different story. So, you know, that play in particular, that how many times have we seen the opponent, uh, you know, jump on that fumble? Then the play at the the end of the first half where Peyton Ramsey hits Nick Westbrook for for a touchdown to take, retake the lead, uh, 24-21 going into halftime. A spectacular catch by Nick Westbrook. Uh, you know, and we'll talk about Peyton Ramsey's uh, performance, TJ, because I, I thought he, he was, you know, I, I've had my reservations about his arm strength, and, and I still do, but man, oh, man, when the chips are on the table, he's the guy you want on your team. Uh, he, he came through big time, and, and that was a heck of a throw and a heck of a catch by Nick Westbrook in the corner of the end zone there. And then, you know, time and time again that, that Juwan Burgess – Strip uh, strips the ball, recovers a fumble. We've seen those balls bounce out of bounds uh, before a defender can um, mm-hmm. jump on them. Even the Reese Taylor interception. How many times have we seen the defender drop that pick? And a couple of plays later, the the opponent goes in for the end zone. So Indiana flipped the script, and that's the important thing to take away. Yes, they had 11 penalties for 110 yards. Um, some of those pass interference calls were a little bogus. Uh, some of them are yep. just stupid penalties. Some of them you, you, you got to be smarter. The passes had no chance of getting to the receiver, but when you run over the receiver, even if there's no chance, um, the referee's going to throw the flag. So they got to clean that up. And, you know, what, what fans don't seem to understand is that the coaches know this. You know, you know they, they bash Allen and – and Kalen DeBoer and, and Kane Womack, they, they know what the problem is. They have to go fix it. They're not – they can't be on the field with the player saying, hey, hey man, don't hit the guy when the ball's 10 feet over his head. So, you know, they, they know what they need to work on. It, it, it's – I don't think this team is satisfied at five wins, and that's that's one of my concerns about the, the celebration after the game – was like a big weight was lifted off their shoulder. And, you know, you could celebrate the win. That was a, a really, really good road win. Uh, but you got to refocus and go to the next game, which is Nebraska. And, and we'll get into Nebraska a little bit. So they you got to enjoy it for 24 hours and flush it. It sounds like they have done that. Talking to players today, talking to Ramsey and Westbrook and Marcelino, it's, you know, six is – Six wasn't the goal. The goal of the season was to win as many games as you can, and they have five games left. Uh, so the goal is to win five more games, according to them. And we'll see uh, where it goes from there. But, you know, it, that was a game that Indiana usually loses on the road. We've seen them lose that game at Maryland before. And Maryland's, you know, Pigram is not a great thrower uh, quarterback, but Javon Leak is a heck of a running back. Um, that Demas uh, at receiver is a really good receiver. Antoine Brooks, who who had the pick in the end zone, is a really good defensive player. They have some players at at, at Maryland. They, they've, I believe, they recruited pretty well, um, or at least evenly around evenly with Indiana over the last couple of years. So it's not like this team was Rutgers a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this team they blew out Syracuse sixty three to twenty. Uh, they were ranked in the top 25 at one point this season, and, and Tom Allen shouldn't have to apologize for winning this game. Uh, and, and that's what fans need to, to realize. It, it's a it's a long but short season. It's a long, quick season uh, in terms of something could happen uh, on, on the drop of a dime, and it changes the whole thing. But you play 12 games. You know, right now, Indiana's at 5-2 and two for the first time since 2007. And people need to enjoy it. Um, but, yeah, this team didn't play a perfect game at Maryland. Uh, not scoring a touchdown after that fumble leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But a lot of that had to do with, you know, they really couldn't trust Peyton Ramsey to to throw the ball in the red zone after that, that uh, earlier in the game when he missed Matt Bjorson in, in the corner of the end zone. They just didn't uh, – for whatever reason, he, he hesitates and, and just floated that ball in there. And I think that, that causes 
you know, coaches to double think what their their play calls are. And, and but you know, credit Ramsey, he did a heck of a job coming in relief of Michael Penix. There was no update today on Michael Penix, other than that he'll be a game time decision. And it's all that, that's what coaches do. They play close to the vest. So to, to put out a bow on it, TJ, it was a really good win. I uh, was five and two for the first time since 2007. Are there things to clean up? Yes. That's what practice is for. Uh, so let's move on to Nebraska. TJ, what are your initial thoughts on Nebraska? I, I do want to point out, I, I want to kind of agree with you on, on a couple of things. Um, I have been, I don't think hard on Peyton Ramsey or a you know, vocal critic or anything like that, but um, I have made no bones about um, my feelings that, that the ceiling is so much higher for any owner of Michael Penix. My opinion on that has not changed. However, uh, I do want to point out and, and agree with you that we saw improvements and progress from Peyton Ramsey on Saturday. Uh, I do not know if the the Peyton Ramsey, the decision maker uh, from previous seasons, would have been able to lead Indiana the way that he did on Saturday. I thought he made really good decisions on when to run the ball and for for how to run the ball. Uh, He ran with a lot of toughness and got some really tough yards that IU really had to have. Uh, It provided a a major spark on a couple of lengthy conversions uh, with his legs. Um, and then it, for the most part, yeah, you mentioned the throat of Bjorsen in the end zone. That was uh, egregious, and it was a prime example of of a play that um, just limits how good of a quarterback he's capable of being, in my opinion. But I thought he made much better decisions with the ball than he has in the past, uh, rarely put it into a position where Maryland's defenders could have made a play on it. Um, yep. I do think that if, if Pennix plays that whole game, uh, I mean, I I think Indiana easily goes over 40 points and probably has over 600 yards because uh, it was clear from when Penix was was out there, Maryland's secondary, which which we we talked about this as a point going in, Maryland's secondary really could not for Indiana's receivers. Uh, they they overplayed against Watt Fillier and really did a nice job of kind of taking him out of things, uh, but the Hoosiers were were getting whatever they wanted. Uh, down the seam or to the outside uh, with Westbrook, who had himself a very nice game. It was really good to see that. Uh, Fry Fogel had a nice game as well, had a few good catches. Peyton Hendershot uh, was, was a key part of the offense again. So I don't think yeah, that was outside of that, that one to, ball where uh, yeah. outside of that one pass that goes off his hands that he probably should have caught. Uh, True. That, that to me that changed the game. That interception in the end zone off the tip ball. Um, it was a 14 point swing. If Indiana scores there, they probably win going away, and people will find something else to complain about. But it won't be a, yeah. a six yeah. point win at, at Maryland. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's very true. But I, I um, Penix will will give you know we'll pass an update on 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 the site when we when we have one. Um, I, I don't really know what to think about this upcoming Nebraska game because both starting quarterback status is very much up in the air. Uh, Adrian Martinez, yeah. Nebraska's uh, quarterback, who I think it's fair to say has had a bit of a letdown season. Um, he has not been bad, but I, I do not think that he has taken the step forward that many, including myself, had expected. Some of that has to do with uh, with the pieces surrounding him, and some of it has to do with uh, an injury, and some of it, uh, I think, just has to do with he just hasn't progressed, as you would expect. Um, and that's not to say that he's not capable of having a huge game if he does play. Now, you've got him coming in as questionable. Uh, Nebraska did have a bye week last week, so that even more adds to the intrigue what they're going to look like in this one. Then you've got Penix, I, I think, at uh, questionable right now if you were putting an injury designation on it, but we really have no idea whatsoever. Um, Tom Allen does not expect it to be long-term, is what uh, he said after Saturday's game, but um, I don't think we really have any idea, so we're not going to speculate on it. Uh, I think you would put the um, 
the likelihood very much at 50-50, and then you say, well, if not, then we got Peyton Ramsey, and here we go. Nebraska does not have that luxury. They would be turning to Noah Vedral, who uh, went with Scott Frost from uh, from Central Florida. He was a Central Florida commit that um, went with Frost to Nebraska. Uh, we've only seen, you know, limited game action from him. I think he has something like 20 pass attempts or something like that. Um, not much of a sample size, so I don't have an opinion on him really other than he's not Adrian Martinez. He's not going to hurt Indiana with his legs the way Martinez can, and he, he will not extend plays the way that Martinez can. So that's a huge factor. Um, Nebraska limited offensive weapons, uh, which is surprising. I, I think that much more was expected from their posi- their skill group than what we've seen this year. Uh, Wondell Robinson, I think, is their most dangerous player, true freshman that we highlighted in our, our preseason podcast as, as a guy that uh, would be one to watch. And really, when he's got the ball, that's been the case. He has not been utilized quite as much, particularly early. He wasn't utilized quite as much, but they really have turned to him here recently. Um, it's interesting to see whether or not he's 100% as well, though. Um, yeah, and they'll, they'll be without Spielman. starting running back Maurice Washington, too. Yes, yeah. yeah. J.D. Spielman is uh, their veteran receiver. Outside of those two, not really a ton of options. Jack Stoll is uh, a big target at tight end. He's very big. I don't think he's all that good. Uh, I definitely prefer Peyton Hendershot to Stoll, uh, but he is a weapon, particularly in the red zone uh, for Nebraska. The offensive line for them has struggled some, um, particularly in pass protection. Maurice Washington, as you mentioned, not going to play, so they turn to Diedrich Mills. That's kind of been the case most of the season is that it's been one of the two of them. They've rarely had both of them rolling at the same time, so they'll turn to Mills. and Him and Washington, very similar players, but uh, I, I, Mills um, is going to be the guy, so Indiana's going to have to deal with him. And I think that they will look to get the ball to Wondell Robinson any way that they can. Uh, defensively, it's a defense that I think can be had. It's better than it was a season ago, at least to my eye it is. Uh, but it's still not a really good unit. Indiana will have seen much better so far this season. I think that they are a comparable defense to Maryland. I would put Nebraska as ahead of the Terps, but not by a whole lot. And, again, I think this is a unit that you can pass on, uh, questionable secondary. They don't get a ton of pass rush. Uh, they do have a couple of stout defensive tackles uh, that make it somewhat difficult to run up the middle. Linebacker uh, Mo Berry is, is their top tackler, and he's really the leader of the linebackers. Um, but not a ton of difference makers on this defense. Uh, not a whole lot of guys you have to scheme around. Um, I do think that Indiana, if Michael Penix plays, I think they can have a huge day through the air again. The the biggest, perhaps most interesting thing to me is how Indiana responds to the atmosphere. Um, Nebraska, <coughs> excuse me, while Indiana has been at difficult venues for sure, this is a very young team for Indiana still. Um, and Nebraska, their Memorial Stadium is, uh, it's just a really intimidating, can be intimidating place to play just because uh, it's very big, very passionate fan base, and you know they're going to be hungry for a win. This is a game that I'm sure they expect to win, uh, and, and it's one that they really need. The loss here would, would really throw up some red flags nationally surrounding Scott Frost's tenure. Yeah, and to to go into that um, a little bit more about concerns, Nebraska kickers are four for ten on field goals. Uh, they, they've used three different kickers on field goals. Yeah. None of them have made more than two. Uh, um, Dylan Jorgensen is zero for one. Isaac Armstrong is two for five. Uh, Lane McCollum is is two for four, and none of them have kicked a field goal over forty yards. The longest on the year is thirty six. Uh, and they've but had the Northwestern uh, game was a disaster. I mean, just a disaster field goal kicking wise. They've had two for, kicks for blocked. Teams, really. Yeah, they've had two kicks blocked. 
Uh, it, it's you know if this game comes down to a late field goal, much like Maryland, who only attempted two two field goals in the year, Indiana has has the advantage. Logan Justice has been, and, and I'll knock on wood, uh, he's been automatic. Uh, he, he's yep. one of six kickers in the nation to be perfect on both field goals and extra points. Uh, and you know it, you don't even worry about it anymore. When doing stacks on on radio, you, you kind of just assume that he's going to make it and um, when writing the scorecard. So it's that that's going to be a play a big factor. Um, and Indiana's played pretty well on special teams. It, there's one or two things that they need to to clean up every game. But you know, it, Nebraska is is a bigger mess than, than I thought coming into the year. And uh, when we did our know our opponent, Nate, our, our writer Nate Comp came up, found an article. That, that said, there's a quote from Scott Frost in there um, that says, you know, he's questioning the team's leadership. He's, uh, you know, maybe playing for the future and registering guys. So, you know, here's the quote on his weekly radio show. Uh, Frost said, it's hard to be a leader if guys don't want to follow. The majority of the team does but maybe not everybody. And the leaders need to continue to improve. Uh, but we need good teammates, not just good leaders. So to me, the, you, you said this this program, TJ, could be at, at a tipping point. It's There's a lot of national perception about Nebraska being a football blue blood. And here comes Indiana, whose national perception, Jerry Palm of CBS still doesn't have Indiana in his bowl projections at five and five and two, um, who's still perceived as this is, you know, Indiana. So Indiana going into Nebraska, if Indiana gets a lead, uh, things could turn for the worse. Um, You know, we've seen it uh, in in college basketball with IU being the kind of program they are. When when somebody comes in and kind of kicks them in the teeth, your, your fan base gets restless. Uh, the same thing could go for for Nebraska. So it, it's going to be pretty vital for IU to come out, take the lead, not get rattled by all the pizzazz at, at Nebraska and all their traditions of tunnel walk and uh, whatever they do. I'm excited to see it, uh, but players need to tune that out and and get ready and go because this is, this is a gettable game on the road and a chance to, while it's not the Nebraska – not your father's Nebraska. It's still a a brand name uh, across the country. It certainly is. Yeah, I mean they've it. Uh, I remember watching Nebraska in the Big Twelve, uh, and always kind of thinking how cool of an atmosphere that was, and um, you know certainly remember not the the actual games themselves, but the the highlight tapes and the lore surrounding Dr. Tom Osborne's teams and Tommy Frazier and uh, those teams. I remember that stuff, and I'm sure uh, Nebraska fans certainly remember them fondly. Uh, And I remember when Nebraska came into the Big Ten thinking, man, it'd be really cool to to go in there with a a pretty good team and, and actually, you know, have a chance to be competitive against the Huskers. And Indiana enters at, at five and two while Nebraska is four and three and Indiana enters as the favorite in Vegas, which is uh, truly, I'm sure to most completely shocking. Um, if, if you would have bet on this game on a futures bet, like before the season, uh, I don't know what the line would have been probably Nebraska by 14, something like that. Um, they would have been, heavy favorites, but given the evidence on the field, it, it makes sense. I mean, you look back at Nebraska's games, uh, the only performance that I think you would consider really good was uh, that they waxed Northern Illinois, who uh, is having one of the worst seasons that they've had in a very long time. I think they're two and five right now. Uh, so maybe that, while it looked at the time like, hey, Nebraska's figuring it out, uh, it was still early in the season. Maybe they're, you know, they were just asleep for a little bit, or took them a while to 
to integrate some new guys, but uh, turns out Northern Illinois is just bad. So maybe that didn't mean anything. And then since then, you know, they squeaked by Northwestern in an extremely ugly game that they were very fortunate to win. Uh, they were walloped by Ohio State, which that's fine. I don't take anything out of that. Uh, Everybody has been. Yeah, but I think that the really, truly alarming one was that they were just completely non-competitive against Minnesota um, before their bye week. They, they, I mean, Minnesota did whatever they wanted to and got ahead of, I, I think it was 35 nothing at one point. Um, Minnesota. I think the final was 41-7. Yeah, Minnesota was much better than what I thought they were going to be, uh, but I, I don't think there's any way they should be that much better and that dominant over Nebraska uh, right now at this point in time. So that was that's kind of an eye opener, and I'm going to be very interested to see how uh, how Nebraska responds to the position that they're in, and then how Indiana responds to the position that they are in, because really it, it's uh, it's quite foreign for the Hoosiers uh, to be in this spot in a good way. Um, it, it's good to have to deal with success. And IU has to have the maturity to to be able to do that. And you you know you mentioned that earlier in the podcast, and it's going to be a key thing. And how Indiana starts this game is going to say a lot. Um, and then I'm I'm very interested to see just how maybe the defense can get some momentum from those two takeaways because we've waited all season for those to to kind of start flowing. Maybe that sort of uh, breaks the dam there, if you will, uh, and starts a, a little bit of a flow of, of forcing takeaways. Because if that starts to happen, Indiana becomes a very dangerous proposition. Yeah, and, you know, the defense, they did not have a great first half. And, and doing the box score for my game rapid reaction for last week's game, Indiana had 17 explosive plays. I think Maryland only had – um, you know, like seven. It, it was a big yeah. differential. Um, and, and it was because Maryland's explosive plays either went for a touchdown or went to the one yard line, and they they went. They had five explosive plays. So what I categorize as explosive plays are runs over ten yards and passes over fifteen. Indiana had seventeen. Maryland had five. Uh, yeah, one of those is a sixty yard run. One of them was a fifty, I believe, a fifty two yard pass. Uh, that led to a touchdown. So, yeah, the defense gave up those plays. That first touchdown, the defense gifted them with, um, I think, 40 yards of penalties on that first drive, which is kind of ridiculous. But the defense in the second half, they gave up – all they gave up was was one touchdown. And that came on on a play. They had them third and 17. I believe there was a pick play that took Tywin Mullen out of coverage on the tight end uh, or the receiver who caught the ball, which it shouldn't happen, but that's, it's a reason why it happened. And then there was a blown coverage uh, where two guys covered the wrong, you know, they were all on different pages, but it's a 52 yard pass to to Mabry who goes down the sideline to the one yard line. uh, And then they score from there. So it's, it's fixable issues. It's not like Indiana's getting totally out-talented. And I would – if Adrian Martinez doesn't play, I don't see how Nebraska's offense is better than Maryland's. Now, Wandale Robinson is a heck of a talent. um, But you you can't – you know, we've seen it with when Indiana's had Shane Wynn. You've seen it with Watt Fillier, um, you know, even last year where – one guy can't do it all. Uh, so, and even going back to Kofi Hughes uh, and Tandon Doss, one guy can't do it all. So it's really going to be really hard to give a game prediction today uh, just because there are so many unknowns uh, on each side. And, you know, we we could do it is, you know, if this guy plays and that guy plays and, and all that stuff. But, um Let's get on to keys keys to victory, TJ. What are two keys that Indiana needs to get done in order for them to to win the ball game? Well, 
like you said, it, it's almost impossible for us to give rational or coherent uh, game predictions when uh, we do not know the personnel and the personnel we're in, you know, that are in question are incredibly important. So um, it's very difficult. It also makes it difficult to do keys to the game because my key for Adrian Martinez would be quite a bit different than it is otherwise. Uh, but my keys to the game, Brittany is going to be start well. Uh, I think that IU getting off to a good start is going to be vital, number one, because of the atmosphere, number two, uh, because of the, the, the place that both teams are in right now. Uh, and then uh, my second key for Indiana uh, is going to be to continue to force those takeaways because I think they're huge, uh, not just in terms of momentum, but I think in in today's college football where so many offenses are capable of putting up points, any forced turnovers are really not just taking away a drive. They are taking points off the board for the opponent in a lot of cases. Uh, and in, in Indiana's case, Jawan Burgess's takeaway, I mean, that should have put points on the board for the Hoosiers. It, it did not. Uh, but you'd like to think if you get the ball to 15, you're you're going to, to get a touchdown. Now, IU did get a field goal out of it, so there's that. But, uh, you know, I, I think that continuing to force those takeaways that we saw in those last two drives, I, I think that that would be a uh, raise the, what Indiana is capable of this season that much higher if it turns into a consistent thing. So I'll be watching for that as well. And then, uh, Regardless of who's at quarterback, I want to see the receivers continue to have the kind of day that they did, uh, making competitive catches like what we saw Nick Westbrook finally able to make and what we saw a couple of other players as well. Uh, To me, that can be a major difference maker if you have confidence in your receivers making those 50-50 catches. It just opens up your offense and allows Kalen DeBoer to be that much more aggressive. So, uh, those are kind of the three things I'm going to be watching for. But, again, a lot is going to hinge on whether or not Michael Penix can go. Uh, and more importantly, uh, because of the backup situation, more importantly, can Adrian Martinez go? And is he close to 100%? Uh, if not, I will go ahead and say that if Martinez does not play, I do expect Indiana to go to Nebraska and win. Uh, if Martinez doesn't play, I think the Hoosiers are the better team uh, and I, I, I think that Indiana should be the better team on Saturday if Martinez is not out there. Uh, if he is and he's healthy, uh, I, I don't know. It, it uh, complicates things quite a bit in my head. So if both quarterbacks are out, you give Indiana the, the edge uh, because of Peyton Ramsey. I do. I do. Yep. All right. I, I agree. Um I believe Adrian Martinez's injury was a high ankle sprain. Usually that takes four to six weeks. It was Josh Jackson from Maryland that's dealing with the same thing. He didn't play um, last week either. So we'll see. Um, but my, my keys to the game for, for Indiana is, as you said, the, the receivers need to come through. It's You've you got to cash in on your opportunities. Uh, especially at a place uh, like Nebraska with 90-plus thousand fans who are going to be screaming uh, down your throat if if you cough up um, opportunities. That means when you recover fumble on the 16-yard line, you've got to score a touchdown. Uh, When you have uh, a chance in the red zone to score a touchdown, you can't throw an interception in the end zone and have 14-point swings. Uh, you, you got to hold on to the ball on, on kickoffs, uh, things like that. You've got to be able to take down the quarterback. And even if Martinez plays, if he's limited running the ball, uh, it, ch- it changes the game uh, and, and things like that. And I thought Indiana's defensive line did a pretty decent job against Tyrell Pigram, who looked like a magician sometimes out there where, you know, defensive linemen look like, you know, they were a split second away from from wrapping him up, and all of a sudden he's two yards in the other direction. You know, the defensive line uh, has played pretty well. Linebackers got to get it together a little bit, and then 
the secondary, your young guys, you've got to play these young guys uh, on defense because they're, they're the ones that have been playing well. It's been Raheem Lane, Andre Brown. Those guys have been the guys getting burnt on D. It's not yeah. Jalen Williams. It's not um, Tywin Mullen. Tywin Mullen. And yeah, maybe these uh, – and maybe it's hard to ask these guys to play 80 plays a game. Uh, but you've you got to get those guys on the field as much as possible. I, I thought Marcelino Ball play, played well uh, against Maryland, and he's re-entered, um, you know, the defense from a playmaking standpoint, but got to take advantage of opportunities. And there are only going to be so many opportunities to score uh, on the road, shut the crowd up, and, and give yourself some confidence. The next one, um, if Hunter Littlejohn comes back, this offensive line deserves a lot of credit. They, they're without yeah. Coy Cronk. They were without Cronk and Hunter Littlejohn last week. He had Kreider move over to center. Nora came in and played pretty well. Uh, and they gave up, I think, one sack for zero yards uh, last week, which is a weird stat. Uh, but one sack, uh, they, they played pretty well, and they're going to have to continue to play well. So Indiana's got to play like a 5-2 and two team. They've got to come in, be aggressive, take advantage of the opportunities that that are going to be presented to them, uh, whatever they may be. Uh, but they got to play with the confidence of a 5-2 and two team. Then you can t- if you take care of business this week, and, and I hate talking ahead, but um, the Northwestern game, for those of you who haven't been on Twitter today, the Northwestern game time was announced as a 7 o'clock game. It's on Fox Sports 1 under the lights at Memorial Stadium. If Indiana could win this game, that could be a special night in Bloomington. Um, either way, at, at worst case scenario, if Indiana loses in, in Nebraska, they're coming in five and three with a chance to, to beat on a, a new Northwestern team who hasn't looked all that good to get bowl eligible. But if you could get to that Northwestern game at six and two, you're already receiving votes in the college, um, in the coaches' poll. Maybe if you look impressive enough, people's heads will turn, and, and, and just maybe you get enough to, to sneak into the top 25. But uh, for Indiana, it's taking advantage of, of the opportunities. And, yeah, keys are hard to give when you don't have, you know, if, is Penix going to start? Is Ramsey going to play? Uh, is Adrian Martinez going to play? But it's control what you can control. So, game plan, Peyton Ramsey, he knows what he's doing. He he knows how to prepare uh, like a starter. And if both if both starters are out, um, Martinez and Penix, yeah, edge goes to Indiana. And if uh, Martinez plays and Penix doesn't, but Martinez is 50% or 60% and can't move around, that might go um, – that might go – Indiana's way as well. And, uh, you know, I I haven't read the article that that Nate is sending us, but if Scott Frost is planning for next season, you've got to think that they're not going to put Adrian Martinez at risk to get hurt further with ankle injuries. You've seen it in other sports before where the ankle injuries nag and nag, nag, and then end up being worse. My, My big example there. As a Yankee fan, was Jeter in 2012. He had an ankle injury all year. And then in the playoffs, he took one wrong step and it snapped. And you hate to see it to anybody. So if, if Nebraska really is playing for 2020, um, and I don't think that they should, I don't think in college football you can say, hey, we're playing for 2020, um, they might t- say, hey, if you're not 100%, we're not throwing you out there. Uh, and they'll take their licks and, and see with that. Because just like Michigan, Scott Frost is supposed to be the guy at Nebraska. But where do you go from here if Scott Frost is on the hot seat in year three? Where do you go from there? Uh, so we'll see. It'll be an interesting game. Uh, TJ, predictions? Well, um, I happen to think Martinez is going to play, and I'm just going to go out on a limb and uh, predict that Michael Penix does not. Uh, that being said, I do not think that Adrian Martinez is going to be 100%. I do not think he's going to have his usual mobility. 
And I think that there could be uh, a little bit of rust there because he has not uh, – it, it would be just about a month since he um, played a full game. So uh, I, just, I have a lot of confidence in this Indiana team thanks to seeing them actually make those plays at the end of games. It's been talked about for so long, and Indiana uh, has trained for it specifically to get into the situation that they did against Maryland and, like you said, flip the script. And that's that's something they did. Um, it kind of just feels like the type of season where maybe things actually fall into place for the Hoosiers. Uh, and it's been a, you know, it's been a very long time since Indiana – has been in a position to make these kind of things happen. I will predict Indiana to go to Nebraska and win that game. Uh, if if Martinez is healthy, then I'll probably end up being wrong, but that's fine. Nobody's keeping track anyway. I'm going to go with the Hoosiers winning it, uh, and I will say, let's say 34-28, Indiana wins another close game. All right. Um, yeah, and, and going back to – the Maryland game a little bit. Uh, keeping track of ESPN's FPI, the Football Power Index, a month ago or three weeks ago, Indiana was still only had like a 25% chance of winning that game. And then as time right. went on, it, it got to where Indiana was, I think, ended up being like a 60% chance of winning. Uh, so, so all these these people poo-pooing this win and, and poo-pooing Maryland, well when Maryland was running up 79 and 63 points, Indiana had a 20% chance of winning that game. So it's, it's speaks how quickly things could change. Uh, FPI, I think gives Indiana a 52% chance. So it's a toss up game here. Uh, it's going to depend on who starts a quarterback for each team. Um, I, I don't, I, I just don't know. I, I have a feeling Penix might play. But I don't know. It's just a gut feeling. Um, I could be safe and say neither starter will play and, and uh, all that. But I think Indiana has, at this time, more talent at the skill positions. Uh, it seems like they're a more stable program, believe it or not. Um, and defensively, Indiana – Nebraska has has – gotten a lot of TFLs and, and that's going to define the game too is, you know, can, can Indiana get those positive plays and, and take away the tackle for loss, uh, which Nebraska does well. And they do take the ball away well as well, but they do give up points uh, and, and things like that. So, you know what, I'm just going to roll with it, TJ. I, I, I think Indiana comes away with a win uh, regardless of who plays quarterback. Um now, if Martinez doesn't play, it'll. I think Indiana wins going away, um, but the, I, I think Nebraska is a bigger mess than than everybody realizes uh, a little bit. So uh, I'm going to go Indiana. Um, go Indiana 31, uh, Nebraska 27. It, well, that that means they kick a field goal. Uh, I'm going to go uh, 31. Uh, 28. I think Indiana special teams justice is going to come through uh, with a big field goal, and that's if um, we'll say both backup quarterbacks play, uh, things like mm-hmm. that. If we learn that Panic is going to play Saturday, that'll change. Uh, but it, it's just so hard to predict and, and give keys to the game when you don't know when the two, arguably the two most important players uh, on each side are are questionable. Uh, coming into the game, and, and there there's such talents that it, it really changes the game on both sides. So, um, yeah, I, I'm going to go 31, uh, yeah, 31-28. I, I don't think Nebraska kicks a field goal or makes a field goal uh, at, at four for ten. So, hopefully, um, my prediction is correct. Uh, hopefully, it's not that close. Uh, but we'll we'll see. It's a great opportunity for Indiana. It's a 3:30 game. It's a chance to. Well, it's not the 1990s Nebraska. It's a chance to kind of put a name on the wall, uh, so to speak, or skin on the wall. Uh, Nebraska's mm-hmm. the name brand, and and it'll, this win will have some uh, p- uh, pizzazz with it. If you say if you look back, 
you know, 10 years from now, uh, Indiana beat Nebraska at Nebraska, um, it, it just means a little bit more. So I, I, I think that plays into it too. Indiana has to play with confidence, uh, uh, the confidence of a 5-2 and two team, uh, and they need to tune out all this outside noise, whether it's Nebraska fans, 93,000 Nebraska fans at the stadium or the Indiana fans on, on social media who don't believe in this team yet, uh, who haven't bought in, and uh, who just ha- have been so – emotionally abused by the Indiana football program that they're not ready to believe in yet. And I don't, I don't blame that for that, but you got to tune that out, play with the confidence of a five and two team and keep, you know, what is it in major league? Well, we, we won a game yesterday. We won a game this week. And if you win, if you win another game, that's a winning streak. Uh, Indiana's looking mm-hmm. to win three big 10 games in a row and keep that momentum rolling. So, We'll see. It's I'm it's exciting. It's an exciting opportunity for Indiana. I'm excited to go visit Nebraska. It's the last Big Ten school that I need to visit, uh, and it's uh, it's historic. It's steeped in tradition. Uh, there's so many different traditions at the game that I want to see and take in. So it's you don't want to get blinded by that as players. But I'm not a player, so. I could go and enjoy it, but it's something that they need to to block out and, and just get the job done. Uh, closing thoughts, TJ? No, like you said, it's, 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 a, it's a big game for a lot of reasons. One, uh, because of the opponent. Two, because of the circumstance. Uh, and three, because it's an opportunity in a season that looks like it could turn into uh, to something worth remembering. It's an opportunity to add another victory and, uh, you know, one, you, you check off that game bowl eligibility uh, and do so in October, which would be great. So, but, you know, you, you get a chance to check off a sixth win and, and look to your seventh. And that's how Indiana appears to be approaching it. That's how they should approach it uh, because I think they have a team capable of, of uh, doing that. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see the Hoosiers take the field at Nebraska and hopefully go toe-to-toe with them. Yeah, and, and it's it's turning into that season like, hey, you might want to keep an eye on this because it, it could turn into something special. And, right. and we'll see. It, it could also blow up in their face and things it's like good. that. The job is not the job is not finished yet. Um, you know, it, it, it's not. The mission's not accomplished. You you got to get the bowl eligibility. You got to beat Purdue. And, and things like that, but the mission's not accomplished. But the journey, part of the journey, is is sitting back and enjoying it. Right now, it's five and two, and you should be able to in, enjoy this, uh, enjoy the ride a little bit uh, before you know it gets into November, uh, and and things get a, a little bit more difficult with Michigan and Penn State, but. Man, this has a this has a chance to be a, a special season, and and this would be a a uh, I mean, if it, it's four if it's four and four Nebraska, it's not a marquee win, but it's a win over Nebraska at Nebraska. Something that IU hasn't done since the '70s, although they haven't played there since the '70s uh, and, and things like that. So this has a chance to be be a real nice uh, bow to clinch uh, to clinch a bowl go home, play a primetime game uh, and uh, against an opponent who's struggled all year and kind of kick off that celebration. Uh, so that does it for today's podcast, TJ. Hopefully you have stayed dry, uh, and we'll be back next Monday, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, in a good mood, with, with and we can talk about potential bold destinations. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be terrific. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, hopefully Saturday is another, like you said, a, a, another add-on to what uh, hopefully turns into a winning streak here. Yeah, that does it for today's podcast. Uh, thanks, TJ, for, for joining me. Uh, thank you, the fans, for listening. And you can come back to HoosierHuddle.com uh, for all your Indiana, uh, your Indiana football coverage. 
and follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. You can follow us on Instagram at Hoosier underscore huddle as well. We'll be back next week at 630 with a podcast post game to wrap up uh, Indiana's trip to Nebraska, uh, which kicks off at 3:30 on BTN. Check your local listings. If you need to go to BTN, BTN game finder. Uh, and then we'll preview Indiana's penultimate home game uh, against Northwestern, which was announced as a 7 p.m. kickoff at Memorial Stadium on Saturday, November 2nd. That'll be televised on Fox Sports 1. So thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.